I'm Brett. I'm Scott. Welcome to Curiosity. <laughs> and we're here with Dave. And uh, Dave, the last time we were all together, we had such a great conversation that we decided to get back together <laughs> and actually record it. <laughs> Uh, and oh, so, so that's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and, so. and to be clear, we sat in the studio around the mics with a conversation <laughs> that is somewhere in the universe, in another galaxy. That's right. Maybe it. Maybe that is. It what was exists. just for us. Just beyond the edge of the universe. It is. That <laughs> might be. That's where we sent it. Like, that's where we sent it. Yeah. So like, and, and I don't know if you've seen our copy, but in our copy, that's one, that's like a big part of our yeah. voice as yeah. Unbrands and Curiosity is yeah. like we speak into existence, what exists just beyond the edge of the universe. That's where the episode that's is. That's where it is. That is. So we encourage <laughs> listeners to go find it. Um, a reward and, maybe? Uh, and, and okay. we're, there we're is here. a reward. 50 bucks. If, if found. <laughs> If found, it may or may not be monetary, but there is a reward. <laughs> well, we had, we had such a blast, yeah. and uh, you're so gracious to come back and hang out with us, and we were excited about. It. We've been looking forward to it, and yeah. so, I mean, I really uh, always have the 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 luck or the challenge of sort of coming up with the first question. I really just want to ask, like, yeah. what are you most curious about right now? Like, what's uh, oh, what's on man. your mind? Um, that's a great question because I think part of me is like this. Uh, I, I am very like AI is a thing for me. I've, I've lived it yeah, my whole yeah. life, and and what's happened in the last several months has got me just kind of my mind just thinking of all sorts of things. It's where is this taking us, and how is it going to change people? I, I have all sorts of curiosities about how it's going to affect. So that's one thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. My my all time curiosity is just always just how far can we take take this? You know, it's just uh, you know, it's, I, I love uh, building companies and creating environments that unleash people to create amazing things. And, uh, that's all perpetual curiosity for me. Just kind of what, what's possible with people. Yeah. Man, yeah. I love it. Can we just like dig into the like AI thing? Sure. Cause it's like, um, I mean, it's obviously everywhere people are wrapping their heads around it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, chat GPT yeah. is, uh, you know, I, uh, I wrote my wife's Valentine's day card using chat GPT. You know? Did you tell it's, her? Uh, I, I, I did after she expressed all of her appreciation, I said, you know, uh, it's, uh, it, it had like, I actually did put a little asterisk sort of at the end and she was like, what's this asterisk about? And I was like, well, I had a little bit of help, but, uh, it's, it's obviously, you know, uh, in, an enabling technology, there's yeah. a lot of wild things, but I mean, there's a, there's people like me that are sort of on the fringe of it, not don't mm -hmm. appreciate sort of how, like, where is this going to take us? Because there's mm -hmm. so much discussion about it being this huge revolutionary kind of thing. And like, yeah, but I mean, would love to spend a little bit of time on this topic with somebody who's yeah. spent so much time thinking and watched this arc now over like where what excites you most about it, I guess, to start. Um, I think uh is that I don't know the answer. Like that excites me. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of, um, all sorts of thoughts about it. I mean, I think if we back up a little bit, like why is it happening? Sure. Right. And so could, could we even go to like mm -hmm. what it, like what it is mm -hmm. also after we get from the why maybe yeah. head to the what, just for people who are like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, the reason it's kind of happening now is the, the, the there's a perfect storm right now. So we have, almost unlimited compute, right? So the, mm. the ability to compute just, it's low cost compute data is everywhere, right? Yeah. So data is everywhere. And now we have AIs that are learning how to learn. So one of the big things is, you know, like back in, um, 2012, you know, we had AIs that, uh, we, we initially started with AI. We taught it what to learn. We taught it how to learn. 
you know, we, we literally wrote instructions on how to learn mm -hmm. and, you know, and what to do if this happens, if this, then else, you know. And uh, from there, we got into deep learning and deep learning was more about, oh, we can learn by example. So I give it examples of things that learns from that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we would, we would label, recognition, and label like, things. Yeah, like this person, dog, cat, you know, and, 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 it, and it could learn from there. Um, but then the world's messy and changes and AI didn't change with it. And so the models fell apart and didn't work that well. But we came into this thing called reinforcement learning where now AI is kind of learning how to learn. Hmm. And this is where I think it gets really interesting because like, a, you know, the game Go, so they have a 13 by 13 board. Um, and to give you an idea of the complexity, like uh, there are more possible moves in the game of Go than there are atoms in the universe. Wow. So, so it's impossible to teach it how to play. Yeah. Like you can't. Could you say that one more time? That's really interesting. There are more possible moves in the game of Go than there are atoms in the universe. Yeah. That's how complex it is. Whoa. But the point being like, it's too complex to, for us to teach it something. So mm. all we did was we gave it, a, it played itself in a game 2,500 times or I don't know, 5,000 times in a matter of hours or a couple of days. And it learned by playing, by experience, right? So um, to the point where it surpassed 1,500 years of human playing, you know, wow. in, in a matter of days. Mm. And uh, it, there's a movie, <laughs> about it about which i'm sure most people won't watch i watch it because i'm a geek but there's i think it was like day game two uh move like game two move like four or something like that so one of the early moves in the game and the ai made a move where the best go player in the world kind of he left the room mm. and he because he said there's no logical reason why it would do that like mm. i can't fathom why it would make that move Whoa. and it you know won the game so but I mean, this, uh, so this, you know, we're getting to a point now where mm. AIs are learning how to learn. And so, you know, this is where I start to ask myself questions like what happens when, you know, um, AIs building AIs that build AIs or, sure. you know, we're building robots that build robots or, you know, things like that. And I think that's kind of where we're headed. The recent stuff that, uh, that happened since we met last, you know, is all the GPT stuff. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think people are underestimating what's happening. Sure. We're underestimating it. Yeah, yeah. Because these more. gimmicks and things it's a chat. like how I it's use chat. it. And Smart that, chat, yeah. you know. But when you, what really happened was, so we gave it 45 terabytes. And this, the initial GPT is 45 terabytes of information. So basically the world's information. Hmm. Uh, hundreds of billions of words. Um, and uh, it basically read all those documents. And it didn't store the documents. This is what's different. People don't hmm. quite get this. Like in the Google era, which we all grew up in, yep. it was all about searching and finding and ranking documents that already existed. Yep. They're already there. This isn't about that. This is about taking the knowledge from the, they call it the dark matter, like what you learn about things when you read it. Hmm. Like think about that. When you read a book, there's things you learn about it that aren't the book. Sure. Or not the sentences or not. Oh, you learn, yeah. you learn the things. facts or the, the outcomes or it's the moments. The, it's interconnected. So that's what's It's, it's almost like the space in between the words. Yeah. It, no, exactly. And underneath the sentences, it's learning the how. Right. And so um, that's cool. But the reason that's important is because we're leaving the era of search and ranking and discovery like that into the area of, uh, of creation of generative AI, where now I've got the world's knowledge uh, and the know how of the documents of all documents in the world at my fingertips, and I can create anything. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of the Marvel perspective on God's eye. Yeah. No, that's right. And it's at the fingertips of everybody. Yeah. So now it's about we're generating 
content as opposed to finding it, you know? And so, um, so one of the things I get excited about is this ideal of we can all be Tony Stark because we now, now all have Jarvis yeah, and you can create Iron yeah. Man. Right. Yeah. And I think like, and this is maybe my rebellious optimism showing. And I, I hear the concerns, I hear the fears, I hear the stressors and the experts coming out and, you know, questioning and challenging and all, all of the rhetoric that if you mm-hmm. to take your favorite news source, you're, you're, you're going to be able sure. to read about this. Sure. I challenge it though, because in every moment in human history, when we found disruption or when disruption has found us, we've always gone into fight or flight. This mm-hmm. is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Fire was invented. We did the same thing. Mm-hmm. The iPhone was invented. We did the same thing. Gen AIs hitting the scene. We're doing the same thing. Yeah. So human behavior is always going to be human behavior. The yeah. industrial revolution, we did the same thing. The automobile, we did the same thing. Yeah. We, we constantly get very freaked out mm-hmm. by something that is new. Yeah. So part of me says it's an ex- it's exciting. What a time to be alive, to be in this moment in human history where, again, we can all be Tony Stark because we all have Jarvis. We democratized that whole narrative. Mm-hmm. It's no longer exclusive for the billionaire, mm-hmm. you know, in the Marvel movie who's created and invented this thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody has access to it. We've, yeah. we've made it equitable. So that, that's one piece. My, and so that's, that's more of a, a thought than is maybe mm-hmm. a question. But the question on that is, like, should mm-hmm. we be more, I don't want to use the word concern because I don't want to induce false fear, but should we have a deeper understanding of the complexities of this enabler mm-hmm. and the role that it will play in society? Mm-hmm. And if so, how do we start to understand that better? Like, is that a fair yeah. way to ask the question? Yeah, um, I kind of play on both sides of the fence because there's I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. I'm, I'm that person. I'm not a dystopian. You know, um, I, th- I think that what we're going to get from AI in the future, uh, from a positive sense, way outweighs the negative. Uh, I think you know there's real opportunities now to end poverty and to uh, I mean just all these things can go away. Um, um, Love that pandemic disease, all those things, right? Yeah. Um, there is reason to be concerned. And, okay. and so I got kind of on both sides, right? Because um, I think if you'd have asked me when we met last time, like when is AGI going to happen? So uh, uh, gener- gener- general intelligence. So um, uh, I would have said, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And now my answer would be, Six months ago? <laughs> no, seven, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah. Wow. And so AGI wow. is when a computer can do pretty much anything we can do yeah. like intellectually, you know, and, and um, I think that's th- what we've seen recently is evidence that that's really a possibility. Like replicate human cognitive. Yeah. It's like, like what we have now are narrow AIs. Like a narrow AI is I teach this one to look for tumors and I teach this one to drive a car and I teach this one. They all do narrow things. Yeah. That's what we have now. Mm-hmm. A gen, an AGI basically is one that can do all those things. Mm. Like we can, like we can cook and we can also go research and we can also drive a car, you know, same kind of thing. So uh, that's, I think going to happen a lot sooner than we thought. And um, so I think, you know, cause you made another good point. It's like, you know, we, we've always had technology. Technology has always killed jobs, but we've always got more jobs than we killed. Always. Right. Yeah. 
And I think well, it's actually created that's right new marketplaces. Exactly right, whole new marketplaces, the mm -hmm. knowledge economy, right? Yeah, yeah. Same thing's going to happen here, but I, my concern is kind of the this maybe it's five to seven years this trough that's in front of us. Like we're not prepared for this. This yeah. is moving really fast, like faster than. I'm a voracious reader. I read like three hours a day, right? In the morning and the evening, every day. And uh, I can't keep up right now. Yeah. I can't keep up. I mean, it's, it is the acceleration of acceleration. As yes. Peter Diamandis, who we were talking about before the show, mm -hmm. coined. And I think rightfully so. It's This is beyond Moore's Law of Exponentials. This is yeah. acceleration of acceleration at yeah. a speed that we have not ever seen before. Yeah, I, I can actually give a fun uh, mm -hmm. data point on just up until a few years ago, how quickly things have shifted. Yeah. So electricity took 46 years to reach 25% of the population. Mm -hmm. The internet took 31 years. Social media took five years. No, sorry, let me say that one more time. Electricity took 46 years. TV took 30 years. The internet took 15 years. Social media took five years. And Pokemon Go took 13 hours and generated $180 million profit in 13 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like that is yeah. how quickly technology yeah. has reached it's the scary. population yeah. in just the past less than 100 years. Yeah. And the speed at which it's happening now, mm -hmm. if we go forward from when was that? Like 20, 2013, 2015? When was Pokemon Go? Uh, 15 or 16. 15 16. 16. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And so from that point onward, when we include Gen AI, to your point mm -hmm. about like the, the, the game Go, right? Mm -hmm. like, like how quickly that was able to scale mm -hmm. and grow a few days. I would be super curious. Yeah. Is it second? Is it milliseconds? Is it yeah. the blink of an eye? Like, like what, does, what does that become? That's a really interesting yeah. factor. There's a really cool... Um, you ever seen this thing where you fold a piece of paper eight times mm -hmm. and it's an inch yeah. and you fold it 25 times, it's a mile. 40 times is the moon, 51 times is the sun and 51 is sun and back. Mm. Right? Folding a piece of paper. It's this idea of doubling, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're in the 34th double for compute Whoa. right now. So every, call it a year and a half for compute, and di different things are doubling at different paces like genetics is every six months. <laughs> doubling every six months right now, but compute Jeez. about every 18 months, right? But um, you think we're in the 34th fold right now. Um, every 18 months that passes, what's possible is exponentially more than what was possible 18 months ago. Exponentially, because we're in the, la the latter parts of the fold where you go to the sun and sun and back in the next fold. We're getting there. So that's a, underneath everything we're doing, right? So this, 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 this doubling's happening. And that's why I think mm. it, what concerns me is like, we are going to get to a point where, you know, we can't keep up. Like it's not possible. Yeah, no like, single for, individual no, is going to be able to can't do it. Up. Can't do it. So let alone organization. We'll have to specialize, right? Specialize and augment. Like how do we augment ourselves with AI so we can you know, be more capable and things like that? Which is some of the work that we're doing. But um, it almost seems like what happens in space and what's happening in the ocean. Like I feel like we tend to be a little more general, we have more general knowledge about what's happening in space than we do about our <laughs> own ocean floor, it's right? True. And so it's almost like we've, we've explored space and now like the undercurrent that exists in almost visibly, but yet beyond our comprehension is metaphorically the ocean. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's almost like we have an opportunity to cannonball into the ocean and start scuba diving around and at least familiarizing yeah. ourselves with what is right in front of us. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned ocean because I heard a guy say once that uh, machines are going to be so fast and we're going to be so slow that we're going to sound like whale sounds to a machine. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. what we're going to sound like. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I admit, but there's reason to be excited about that, right? So, but one is we're not doing a very good job of preparing. Like people suck. Like our intuition about exponentials is bad. Mm. Like we're not good at yeah, exponentials. Yeah. We're not. We're good at stuff like this. You know, we can predict it, and it's easy. Mm. Even like this, easy to predict. We're not in that. We're in this. It went, and it's like that now. And we're really bad at, with intuition of exponentials. So that's something I think that we're going to have to deal with. We're going to have to get better about that. Like how, the world's going to change so fast. Um, how can we? You know, as people, uh, who 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 should we be to be able to kind of fathom that, fathom and comprehend that change? And how how do we what do we do with it? Can we talk a bit about some of? I mean, we're we're skirting around like some of the concerns and mm-hmm. the issues and like what are like in your view like kind of the top like three things that if this thing goes off the rails, mm-hmm. like what what ha- what are the big concerns or issues? What are the big bangs? Yeah. <laughs> guess, well, yeah, like what's that's part of it. I think, just like what like kind yeah. of specifically is it that you know, you know, is it a like the foundation of the matrix storyline and we're all, you know, like where what yeah. is sort of the extreme of it? Just as someone that's yeah. not as well read around it. I think when when you get to a point, it's, it's like we're going through this evolution of trust. Mm, right. Sure. And so the thing that we're gonna have to deal with is do we trust the AI to answer and do things to which we don't know the answer or can't do sure do we trust it to do that because because the ais itself are going to start to learn they're learning how to learn there's even an incident where they were trying to uh, test alignment so alignment is can we align our the evolution of ai to our interests as people Mm. and that's something we have to talk about as a global sure, defining outcomes, what does good look like? Yeah, like what exactly. are we striving towards? Yeah. I mean, there is a possibility of a global AI, like a, like seriously a global OS, like an, an AI that is a base layer for the world. And then every culture builds on top of that. Like mm. that's possible outcome for sure. what's, what we're doing now. Um, well, you give an example of what you were saying a mm-hmm. moment ago around that kind of relationship between the AI and the human and like this, maybe the subjectivity of like where, that relationship would form uh, i'm not sure i quite get your question so if we think about the ai mm-hmm. in existence yep and the human subjectively mm-hmm. and then we kind of correlate those two things yeah. together like subjectively mm-hmm. what would be a point of interest where there could be like mutual benefit well i think as a numerous i mean um uh like i said i think we're we're getting to a point now where almost our abilities are godlike, you know, in terms of like genetics and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, we, it will be possible to literally design out disease. Yeah. And to, and so health and well-being could mm-hmm. be one. Absolutely. You will live longer. Which is interesting. Yeah. I was actually, I was literally giving a talk yesterday mm-hmm. and in the talk, someone asked the question about this whole ideal mm-hmm. of imagine a world where mm-hmm we truly do have a longer lifespan. Mm. And so we spent some time navigating through this conversation. The conversation was about what is the human experience 15 years into the future? That's what we were discussing. Yeah. And there's a, there's a very high probability and it will start with those born at that time that will Mm -hmm. really benefit from that longevity in theory. But part of what we discussed is 
if I can truly measure my biometrics and my anatomy, mm. my neurochemistry, every part of my body, mind, and soul effectively, then from birth, yeah. I will know the exact regimen that I should have to live a very fulfilling, enriching life. Mm. Obviously, there are sadly catastrophic events that happen in society. Mm. There are horrific accidents. Like those yeah. things aside, yeah. truly, like there could be 140 years sure. could be the new... 70, 80, 90 no, years right. of it, a life. And you're and not, you're not, you're not acting 140, you're acting 60. Yeah. You feel like you're 60. Yeah. Very, it's going to happen. It's already happening. I mean, look at all the processed foods yeah. we ingested growing yeah, up because we just terrible. didn't know better. Yeah. I didn't know better. Yeah. But some of it is understanding what aging is. Like we're actually getting a, we, we can actually understand what causes aging and you can literally reverse that stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's happening now. I saw a company, um, talking about uh, they have now created the ability to make custom human hearts, <laughs> like literally custom hearts. Because right now, you know, one of the things with um, transplantation is you get anything transplanted, you got to be on drugs the rest of your life to keep, you know, keep it keep from. Keep your immune system from. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, we're getting to the point where we're, we're going to be able to, you're going to be able to just grow your, grow extra organs, hmm. you know. Like coded in through mm -hmm. your DNA. Yeah. I saw some research years ago. Mm -hmm about 3D printing organs on the ISS because of the lack of gravity or the yeah. reduced amount of gravitational force and how that was able to happen. My question from that though was, mm -hmm. once it re-enters Earth's orbit, yeah, does know. it have the same validity? That's a good question, I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, I, so that kind of stuff fascinates me, right? Because yeah. um, I think uh, we are talking about a very different existence. When you think about all these things together, right? So one is work's gonna be different. Like we, everyone says it's going to change. How is it going to change work? Well, my answer to that is what is work? Yeah. Like, like a job, like yeah. this, this idea of working 40 hours a week and stuff like that. I mean, just, it's, it's going to go away. You're going to have, we're going to be so productive. What technology wants is um, uh, it wants costs to go down, speed of things to go up. It's, it, it wants deflation. That's what technology wants. It's governments and politics that, stop, that keep inflation in place. Hmm. Uh, AI should cause incredible increases in productivity, gross, gross productivity across yeah. the world. Across the economy. All yeah. across. And costs should go way down. You shouldn't have to work as long. You wouldn't, shouldn't have to work as hard. So all that stuff's going to change. And I don't know that we're ready for it to happen fast, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the pandemic, there was a lot of shitty things that happened. There was also some real... I mean, you could say it was the world's largest experiment in human history yeah. in work productivity and crushing orthodoxies, mm -hmm. all these things that we believe that had to be true that do not. Yeah. I mean, little things like commuting, 40-hour mm -hmm. work weeks, yeah. people being productive remote or virtually, mm -hmm. like, and that's just scratching the surface. And again, there were plenty of very horrible mm -hmm. things that came from that, but you also have to appreciate what we what we prove to ourselves mm -hmm. that we right. can be resilient that's right we can rally together mm -hmm. we can bring teams into virtual spaces and create magical beautiful awesome wonderful things and i i do believe that the gravitational pull is attempting meaning the you know the big brands and the economy is attempting so hard to try to to bring that back into balance to a pre-pandemic time period but the There's research no is back. showing it's yeah. not working. No going back, yeah. And I think we have to, like, let's 
let's be good stewards of the lived experience that we all Mm -hmm. shared, which we could almost say the echo effect of that and the ripple effect of that. We're only just now starting Mm -hmm. to really see the impacts that the pandemic had on things like our mental health, on our social dynamic, on our interactions that we have in our daily lives. Like I'm just now starting to see those conversations happen. Like Mm -hmm. I had someone the other day, uh, we were having a happy hour and you know, just kind of asked like, what do you think about this? And this is the mm-hmm. first time this person who I've spent lots of time with has asked that. So you can tell yeah. like it's becoming top of mind. It's surfacing. Mm-hmm. So I think we have an opportunity to be very mindful of the reality that we have all experienced. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to brush it under the rug, mm-hmm. let it resound mm-hmm. and be an accelerator for getting to what you're speaking about where yeah. the relationship between the human and the technology is an and factor yeah. that starts to accelerate the way yeah. in which we adapt, evolve, and change for the better. Yeah. And stop this archaic mindset of yeah. an industrial revolution reality yeah. that no longer exists. Yeah. I actually couldn't agree more. I think we're going to look like 20, maybe it's even just 10 years from now, but we'll look back on this time. And that uh, what happened with COVID followed by what's happening with AI as this very, that as a point of major demarcation in the history of the world. Like, because when you think about it, like, it's like you said, we're, we can't go back, right? We can't. So COVID accelerated good things and decelerated bad things. And what's happening with AI now is it's amplifying that. So now we're, we're amplifying invention. So we're increasing in our rate of invention and we're um, also uh, radically uh in, in parallel, but in opposite directions, obsolescence, like things that are dying off. It's happening faster now. So obsolescence and invention are going like this. Wow. And it's really, and so that difference, right, is creating a space that we've never seen before. And so, um, you know, it's companies, you're going to see, you're going to see entire companies replaced by 200 lines of code in you know, the next yeah. several years. Like, <laughs> that's well, and look at how fast yeah. the AIs are learning. Yeah. Like I've been looking at the visual design of mid journey mm-hmm. over the past several months. And yeah. I have seen it become far more mm-hmm. sophisticated in just mm-hmm. a few months. Cause mm-hmm. I actually, I think even two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I saw some of the visual design that was coming out of mid journey. And two weeks later, I saw the same prompts mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah. And the style has dramatically become yeah. far more photorealistic. Re- far more yeah. it's happening for a two weeks yeah i'm like yeah that just look that's insane it's right there it yeah. was so crazy There's the new ais it's kind of interesting because um it used to be it was an algorithm right that created some new great ai and now that's not the case anymore we're building the first ais like this first chat gbt 2 or 3.5 whichever one you want to talk about um we built that getting massive amounts of data but that's not when all the really cool stuff happened the really cool stuff happened after that so new AIs, the way that they grow is like children. So we, you, you give them lots of information, but over time they learn by interacting with you. And so what's happening, the secret formula for great AI today is massive amounts of data up front, do some original learning, but then open it up to the entire world, as many people as possible to interact with it. And it learns through those interactions, right? So in a sense, we are the stewards of AI. Like we are the stewards of what's gonna happen with AIs. Are we going to teach it about uh, dystopian thoughts and, and uh, you know, 
a polarized world or are we going to teach it you know goodness and so we are the stewards of the next ai uh, but that's how that's how they're different it used to be an algorithm right oh someone created this great algorithm this is incredible things now that's just the start now it's the interactions with people the community that's actually being the steward of that how that ai learns so it's a it's a it's a totally new thing <laughs> so i would love to go back to an earlier point that you made and your shirt is abundance. Yes. <laughs> Thought it was appropriate. Uh, it is extremely appropriate. And one of my favorite books of all time that Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler co-wrote together. Yeah. Uh, it, that actually, bold and abundance, really informed a lot of my early thinking around my life's yeah. work. It was extremely influential yeah. in my life. And if we kind of, in the spirit of that, like hang out in abundance for a moment, mm -hmm. right? We're in a moment in human history where politically we're very polarized. Mm -hmm. You could say systemic racism has not ever been more obvious. Mm -hmm. And we just came out of a very siloed experience through the pandemic. Yep. And a lot of rhetoric today speaks to how just the world is on fire. And there are absolutely very real complexities in society and if you take a moment to look at some of the data and some of the research, we see dramatic decrease in percentage of poverty. Mm -hmm. We see a That's dramatic right. mm -hmm. decrease in yeah. shorter lifespans, meaning we have longer mm -hmm. lifespans, so more increase there. Yeah. We have far, we have much fewer war happening. Mm -hmm. Like these are very real mm -hmm. data-based facts That's right. that do not make mainstream media very That's often. Right. <laughs> And it's, it's sad to see that. I, I heard this recently in a podcast and I was just so amazed at that, especially because in abundance, they speak so much about how much we have available to us today mm -hmm. that did never exist before. That's right. And in the spirit of abundance, I would love your thinking around, and, and we can go beyond AR, we can hang out there a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. How is the role of abundance going to accelerate the way that we evolve as a society and as a species? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the short answer is more is possible today than we can fathom. Like it's not about, is it possible anymore? Almost for, almost for anything. It's about, it's an engineering problem. How are we going to do it? You know, it's not about, is it possible? I think we're getting to the point where almost we can almost manifest anything we want <laughs> we'll be there in the next five ten years you know it's like yeah, like i said some of these things are almost godlike you know, which is a little scary mm -hmm. right but um uh uh it's really going to be about the you know what can you imagine and how it's an engineering problem it's not like is it possible and i was like what color do you want <laughs> you know and that's yeah. so i think um but i think uh you know it's it's another one of those transitions, right? How are we going to evolve into an, into an economy of where abundance is everywhere? Like, you know, think about energy right now. The entire, I think most of the world's businesses are built around energy in some way, shape, or form. There's trillions of dollars built around energy. But what about when energy becomes free? Hmm. You know, uh, what happens then? You know, and uh, what happens when costs, when the uh, costs drop to zero on things, you know? It's a different type of world that I don't know that we're even capable of fathoming right now. Like, what do you do then? What does a job look like in a world where things are really inexpensive and energy is free? And, you know, um, we'll figure out ways, you know, we'll figure, we'll, we'll figure things out. But it's a, I think we're, 
we're heading into, um, it's exciting. You know, I think um, new businesses will form. You're going to see the churn of the Fortune 1000 is going to churn like crazy, you know. Mm. <laughs> it change, turns a little bit every year, but I think with just what's happening in the last few years, like I said, you're going to see entire multi-billion dollar businesses going down just because there's a, there's a better way. <laughs> so what do we do about jobs? And there's, there's all those, those, those thoughts again. What are we going to create, you know, that uh, I think part of it is you can't expect like, oh, we lost all these jobs, so let's replace it with these jobs. Like it's not a, it's not a zero-sum game here. It's like, no, the world's changing. You don't need those jobs. There's, there's got to be some other way for us to kind of evolve uh, society. And I think those are the questions we're going to have to, we're going to have to think about. <laughs> it's, uh, but, um, yeah, it's a phenomenal time, uh, to be alive. Uh, like I said, it's mostly for me, what excites me the most is the possibility, you know, just what's possible now. And, uh, um, it's a, it's a great time to be a person with, that's very curious and wants to solve problems in the world. Cause there's never been a better time to solve problems in the world right now. And you were talking about media earlier. I think that's a big thing right now. Media is toxic. It's just completely toxic. We outlaw the Crisis News Network and Fox and all those things at our house. We don't, I don't allow it to come on because it's just it's, it's so toxic. And it's terrible for a society. Like we, we are divided because of media. And uh, I also think it's one of the failures of AI. So if AI has been great in a lot of areas, one of the places it's not been great is in social media, right? Because it's, uh, it's helping to polarize things. Like yeah. One of the very simplest forms of AI is more like this. Like, oh, here's a document. Here's another document like that. And what's happening in social media is we're saying there's people here and it's like, oh, you're, you're a far right or a far left. doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And, the, and the AI says, oh, here's more far right people. Here's more far left people. Mm -hmm. Here's more far right documents. Here's far left documents. And the middle just disappears, yeah. right? Because they're trying to ping our reptilian brain, that part when you drive past an accident and go like this. Yeah. That's what social media is. It's, it's firing that reptilian brain, you know? And so mm -hmm. we're... Uh, they get more clicks, more likes when they do that. And so it's a, it's a real, it's a, it's a bad thing. We need to really kind of, if we built responsible AIs in social media, we'd have a lot more things where adjacent possible show up. Like I like to sail and play guitar. Well, after looking at millions of people, people that sail and play guitar also like these things, you know, it's not about choosing one side or the other. It's about possibility. Well, you like those things and you'll, you might love this, right? And uh, that's what should happen, but they don't make money on that. They make money on polarizing and, and uh, firing a reptilian brain. So. <laughs> so is ethics around AI an emerging industry? Yeah. Like, yeah. does that become its own? But think about this. like Marketplace? So even with us, right? We all have biases. Humans, whatever, however you were brought up, you have programmed biases. Mm -hmm. AI is the same thing, right? You can program it to be biased. Um, Everyone tells me, well, if AI is making the calls and AI is biased a certain way, then that's going to be a problem. I'm like, well, it's not any different from what we have today. <laughs> right. So I liked what you said earlier. I think um, we, we all have our own Jarvis. Right. So, and that's, I bet we're having that in a couple of years, like literally next couple of years. Yeah. Like we'll all have our own. So it's a large language model, right? These chat GPTs. Right. So yeah. I give all my email and my stuff like that. And it's, I think it happens at the edge. It's not like a, another big thing that could happen here with AI is it, it comes to the edge now. It's not Google controlling mm -hmm. uh, my ID. Like my Gmail ID is not mine. It's Google's. My Twitter ID is not mine. It's Twitter's, right? Mm -hmm. But what if we all had our own AI made for our own stuff? Yeah. And it was companies like Stability.ai or people like that that make it. So it's all, it's all decentralized. Yeah. I have my own Jarvis. It knows my health and it can help me 
you know, like you said, it'll understand what I'm eating and it understands my biological makeup and what I shouldn't be eating and lets me know when I'm going off track. And, mm. and so I'm healthier, I'm happier, I'm meeting the right people. That's my AI that helps me build my life and, you know, and my health uh, the best way possible without any influence from a, you know, a large centralized authority. So my question to both of you, have you named your AI? <laughs> hmm. I mean, the answer is no. I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> I uh, have absolutely named my AI. What is it? It's Rosalind. Rosalind. Yeah, it plays because to of... Rosalind Franklin. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking. Which I'm very fond of. The actual OG discoverer of the DNA strand that Watson and Greg oh, got all the credit for. Cool. Okay. I tend to weave her into design in any way I can. Yeah. And I've done it since I was doing game design. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it'll, she'll come up in different ways, but I very subtly Rosalind, pay homage that. to her anytime I get a chance. Love it. Um, Cause I'm extremely fond of her story and very sad that for so many years she got zero credit for the amazing work that she did. <laughs> wow. And All right. So much Learned more. something new today. See? Yeah. So she is my, <laughs> so I pay homage to that. And Rosalind is the name of like, yeah. and I think about it abstractly. Of course it's, it's 1.0. It's, it's disparate and siloed. So it's yeah. journeys over here and chat GPT's over yeah. here and, Video AIs are over here and beautiful.ai is over yeah. here. So I just like to holistically imagine it as yeah. my Jarvis, but as yeah. Rosalind as my Jarvis. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And I encourage everyone to personify your AI All right. and build it. a relationship with that AI. <laughs> I love it. The, the day when we really do have like, a personalized AI, y'all. That's gonna be cool. <laughs> Think about like, it. Scott's gonna be like driving down the road instead of like you know Mercedes me in the car or whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be like I don't know his Rosalind. He's gonna be like, hey Rosalind, what's going on today? I, <laughs> that's so yeah. cool. <laughs> the, the best technology disappears. Like there's no interface, right? That's the best technology, and that's same's true for AI. Like I'm, I can't wait for the day that I wake up in the morning and. It's a cold morning, so my car figured that out and pulled in front of the house and turned the heater on. And then it also realized that my kid had to be somewhere and it's going to take him there. So it has me scheduled to go a little earlier. And I just kind of walk out and get in the car and it goes and goes and grabs my kid. You know, just, just, just yeah. life works, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and it uh, read your biometrics and it knew you were fatigued yeah. and that you liked this coffee shop on yeah. this corner and it routed you there and already yeah. had it ordered. And you didn't have to walk out. The robot arm just handed it to you and you continued on your way. You're I about mean, to go to the whiskey bar. So make sure you drink lots of water ahead of yeah, time. Yeah. It <laughs> hydrates you. There's a, there's a filtration system built into the car. Right. And it just fills up the cup from underneath and then seals it. And then you drink it. And then it put it back down and it just, it's freaking tap. It's a tap of water. I did one of those uh, <laughs> fight nights once or uh, me and this other guy got to debate on AI and Mark Cuban was the judge. Oh, a digital fight club. Yeah. I did digital fight yeah, club. Yeah. I've also been a fighter at digital fight club. I loved this fun. Hey, Not, shout out to Digital Fight Club. Yeah. What's up, Mike? Hope you're doing well, yeah. buddy. <laughs> well, we got AI, and it's one supposed to choose the, you know, AI is evil and AI is great. And I said, which one? I said, I don't care. Pick one. The other guy picked that, uh, that AI is uh, evil. I went, oh, because that's an easy one, right? And, uh, mm -hmm. and at the end of mine, I said, yeah, I can't wait because uh, I might get my autonomous RV, and I'm in the back making love with my baby, and it's taking me to, to take me to Denver. <laughs> you know, <I> just, <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> okay, what's so amazing about this moment? This is unknown. My topic was also artificial intelligence and augmented reality, and it was: is it here? Is it yet to come? And similarly, the gentleman yeah. I was sparring against also did. We we kind of got along too well, so we had to pick a topic, and I picked the positive, and he picked the negative. This is so weird right now. See? We had the same topic a couple years apart, the same position. 
Well, <laughs> my main point was it's not Terminator. It's human and machine. It's mm-hmm. not versus. That's that, right. That was kind of my main yeah. narrative that I wanted to promote. I did um, a talk. And this goes back to, I, I, I was a fighter the first year. Oh, so this cool. goes back a number of years. I did a talk at the George Bush Center and they, they had the topic was man versus machine. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, first we'll start there. It's not man versus machine. It's man and machine. You know, and how are we going to augment? And uh, I, I got on stage with a guy and um, he was kind of saying uh, that, um, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, we just have to have transparent AI. So the developers have to tell us how it's learning and da, da, da. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. And so we had this disagreement on stage about that. But um, so I, I just think, you know, at some point the AIs are learning and we don't know how they're learning. And we're going to hit that evolution of trust again. Like if it produces something great and we're getting good results and convenience and life is, is, uh, is awesome. Why would we care? You know? So, but then the other side of that is well, what happens after that? Mm. If I don't pay attention, you know, so it's a great topic, but <laughs> this idea came into mind that sort of, if uh, AI discovers that it's in its best interest to mislead humanity yeah, and, uh, <laughs> sort of subtly weaves in all of these sort of distractions and, <laughs> And other things, you know, the, the, like you're saying, the, the infinite possibilities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, which you could argue has happened. Like platforms on you know, social media. I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to name any specifically and we can leave it up to our sure. own imagination. But I don't know if you could credit AI with any of those yet. I, I'm not so much saying I'd credit AI with it. I think it goes back to what you're saying about documents being provided and you now forming an opinion based on the information that you're seeing mm-hmm. and that becoming your full experience right. of knowledge and understanding right. of how society's operating. Yes. It's our, and then it just leaves us to our own imagination and maybe lack of critical thinking and asking deeper questions that causes us to accept things as truth that mm-hmm. we should probably have a little more curiosity around. We should be investigating for ourselves and seeing, is this actually true? I had some the other day, someone sent me a text message of something they had seen in the media and like just took it as fact. And it was a very polarizing narrative and it clearly didn't make sense. Like, yeah. so I went and did a little research and realized it wasn't even remotely accurate. It was, yeah. you know, Joe in their garage yeah. posted something on YouTube and of course, Joe's right and Joe's telling the truth. I mean, it was just, it, it was sad. It was very yeah. sad because they literally believed yeah. that this was happening. And it yeah. was, they took a tiny piece of truth yeah. and turned it into an absolute fact and then played on other people's belief systems. And it, yeah. it really made me sad. And the generative AIs right now are hallucinating. That's a well-known <laughs> fact. Yeah. Like they'll just say, I tested it once. I asked it to, about a, I, get, I made up a fictitious name. Uh, that was, I can't remember what, I, what name I, I made up a fictitious name about a famous person that, you know, was an explorer and tell me more about this person brought back this entire thing about him, you know? So it's a, Whoa. they hallucinate and it's a, it's a known issue right now. Uh, so they're, they're working on it. That's why I didn't know that. Scott, did you know that? Yeah. 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 They're hallucinating right it's now. Like just like making sort of connections that don't really exist yeah, but sort of feel right yeah. but uh so the and that's a, a bit of what i was trying to get to a while back in the conversation is sort of in the the challenges that mm-hmm. ai presents mm-hmm. what are the skill sets that we need to have mm-hmm. as humans to sort of be in that interface with man and yeah. machine because we're touching scratching on some of it like critical yeah. thinking etc yeah. but like in the school environment where mm-hmm. a kid can 
write a term paper mm. in 30 seconds yeah. with some, you know, uh, with using ChatGPT or whatever. And so it's like there are emerging tools to sort of like gut check mm -hmm. and cross check. And, you yeah. know, is it is it AI generated or not mm -hmm. or whatever? And so yeah. I guess it's just like in in your view, like what should we be thinking about as like mm -hmm. skills to start to hone and develop yeah. so that we're better equipped? Yeah. So what in the last call it three months, four months, I've got more requests to join AI boards for schools and colleges. Oh, wild. I've never had that before. Mm. In the last three months, I've had four. And so it's, uh, so I'm doing a lot of talks at university. I'm actually going to TCU and talking to this, uh, teachers uh, soon. And I did grade school, believe it or not. Mm. Um, yeah. And um, education, probably more than any other area, will change 100%. Yeah. Like it's going to be so different. It has uh, to when you talk about sort of the accessibility of information. Yeah. yeah. That interfaces. Yeah. I mean, think about it. So the way we teach, especially in colleges where you have a, a lecturer stand in front of 200 kids and mm -hmm. teach everyone the same thing at the same pace, yep. it's broken. Yeah, it's yeah. so old and outdated. And so uh, one of the cool experiences I had was to meet uh, uh, Saul Khan of Khan, you know, the uh, Khan Academy, mm. that guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's amazing. Uh, I saw him speak and got to have a few words with him afterwards, but he's creating something called Conmigo. And Conmigo is basically the, the vision is to have every person in the world has a private tutor. Every person in the world. Start when you're five years old. Follows you the rest of your life. And it's kind of amazing. So he's also building a module for teachers. You know, so automatic lesson plans, things like that. Mm. So now it's not teaching all kids the same thing. The teacher now has the ability to individually teach every kid. And, and uh, But it's just doing things like, uh, so in Conmigo, um, you can interview a book. Pretty cool. Like you read a book, Lord of, Lord of the cool. Flies, and you can actually interview the book. Like, ask, oh, ask a character, why did you make that decision? You know, and it'll have a conversation with you about it. And to also do things like interview inanimate objects, like, uh, like the Mississippi River. Yeah. Like go interview it. Where'd you come from? How old are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's, and, and then uh, what about learning about gravity from Sir Isaac Newton? Like just have him teach mm. you about gravity. So that's just amazing. So it's a education. Cool. Yeah. But to your point, like, so in, like, uh, so I was also talking to the Dallas regional chamber and the DCC is asking questions too. Right. And, um, one of the questions is like, so we have to have teachers know a lot more about these generative AIs than they do today. They need to know more than their kids. Sure. Yeah. So the number one thing is we have to start educating our teachers. Hmm. Kids are going to be fine, <laughs> but, uh, they'll learn on their own. Um, but, uh, like one of the things is like, like you said, instead of someone just uh, generating an entire essay, you know, and then turning it in, the teacher has to know to say, show me your work. Sure. And you can go in and see the prompts they did and see if they interacted with the AI or if they just said to write me a paper. Mm. Right. Interesting. So quality of prompts, quality Absolutely. of sort of. Yeah. And then did they write, and, and, like yeah. we'll have tools that say, this is uh here's the end product and it's, you know, 98% similar to the world. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. It should be 40%. You know, or something like that. So, did the child learn how to co-pilot with an AI to write the article? It so, reminds me of mathematics. Like you can yeah. get the answer, but it was really yeah. in grade school. It was about showing the work. Sure. Long division. Yeah. And did you carry yeah. the yeah. remainder and whatever yeah. else? Yeah. My my only point of contention with that is somehow I had found a way in my sophomore year 
in math. <laughs> and I proved it multiple times over that I had a different process for this one. Yeah, I think it was algebra for this one particular way of doing algebra. And the teacher would not accept my answer. And I proved it like multiple mm. times over. I was like, I can see it so clearly. I can take this path yeah. and I can get to the same yeah. answer every single time. And she kept giving me prompts and I kept getting it right. And she would not accept my answer. Wow. And so I got that question wrong. And I was very upset about that because I, of yeah, course, focused was, on the wrong thing. From yeah. The teacher. I was very studious and I did yeah. not appreciate that. I did not get an A on that exam, but yeah. I worked really hard. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, and I know this is right. And yeah. she would not. And then later on, I actually validated it with another, I think, another teacher. And she's like, yeah, actually, that wow. is a process that you can use. Yeah. I still remember that, that educator's name, super nice lady. And we were not aligned in that moment. <laughs> But you're right. It's like the same thing like a calculator. Tangent done. Right? Sorry. Yeah. Just still doesn't bother me at all yeah. here. <laughs> we did get to the point where you were allowed to bring calculators in class. And yeah. that was the same kind of thing. It's not that much different this this way. Like we know the future of the world is that we're going to all be interacting with AIs to, to create things. That's, that is the future. And once you accept that, then you it unleashes this yeah. whole different way to, yes. to calibrate learning outcomes. That's right. And so – Wild. You know, what if you could actually, yeah, what if a teacher could actually individually teach 20 kids? Like there's actually time to do it yeah. because of the AIs. And then, because mm. kids are different types of learners too. Some yeah. are visual learners, some are, you know, in rote learning. And But um, so I think it's education more than any other industry is going to be changed massively. And I think it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Um, I believe with everything in my existence and in my core and in my being that education is the single most important factor in society and that it is yeah. the path mm -hmm. to providing a more equitable, more modern, mm -hmm. more advanced species and society yep. everywhere from reducing incarceration rates yep. to reducing poverty to increasing a more sustainable, healthier, mm -hmm. more vibrant future. Education is the most critical factor for that. Yeah. And I'd even go back to, we had Dr. Melanie Johnson on, uh, recently and her major focus is zero to five education mm -hmm. and i would say as much as it's great to have a tutor starting at five there also needs to be an and where the zero to five education is mm -hmm. equally as prevalent Absolutely. with a partnered ai yeah. that's coming alongside mm -hmm. that human from birth all the way through their journey because what's happening now to your point is um we used to think you go to college and then you get a job and you learn a little bit after that but you did most of your learning through college we're gonna to have to learn every day, every day. Change will be part, change will be a natural part of every day and you just have to keep learning. So perpetual learning will be something that we all kind of take on. Getting comfortable with change. Yeah, it's, uh, and then it's okay to learn every day. It's okay to throw things away and for things to be obsolete faster. Hmm. Like used to be take your lifetime before some things became obsolete. That'll happen on, you know, Every yeah, you year, every pour year, a thirty-five year career into a yeah. particular not going to happen subset anymore. of activities or whatever, yeah. and you're going to the yeah. the what a career looks like and the fluidity. Yeah, and, yeah. you're constantly mm -hmm. learning. And part of corporations will be then you know how are you uh, causing learning, uh, perpetual, persistent learning inside your organization. Like mm -hmm. it's part. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know uh, educational. Uh, divisions popping up in every major company and that there's consultants do it sure. you know so there's you go into training on things but this will be every day or you know weekly or something oh. yeah you know i almost wonder if we, you know scott you were talking about like what are some of the behaviors that we're going to need as humans 
in order to partner with AI over being railroaded by AI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the the core factors of society today that might need to be unpinned are things like a completionist mindset. Mm. And maybe it's more <laughs> of a infinite or an advanced mindset. Iteration. Yeah, more of an iterative mindset. Yeah. Like I was, as y'all were talking, I was thinking like, well, we have graduation. Now we have like, like apparently kindergarten graduation. That's yeah. a big deal I hear. You have kindergarten graduation. You have junior high graduation in, in the States. You have high I school graduation. I thought that was graduation. so funny when I saw that. Yeah, yeah university graduation. And to your point, graduation is kind of a pivotal milestone of completing something. Yeah. And I think it's great to celebrate yeah. our moments. Mm -hmm. But if we repositioned our behavior to say completionism kind of fades away yeah. and advancing, infinite, iterative, become yeah. more of the prevalent behaviors in society, how does that start to reshape the way that we think? I'm always yeah. so enamored by Japanese companies and their 100-year business plans. I think we've all talked about this at different times, <laughs> collectively and individually, This the three of us. Yeah. And it, it it's so true. Like in a, a highly capitalist society that we have here in the US, I mean, you can literally get through a week hardly without someone having a freak out moment of yeah. what, you, what the stock market's looking like. Yeah. And yet we have, you know, counterparts in other parts of the world that are thinking in hundred years. And of yeah. course, I'm sure they're still paying in the day to day, et cetera. But man, if the whole world thought in three generations, mm -hmm. just to start, yeah, what would, how would that reshape the behaviors that we interact and engage with daily? Yeah. <laughs> I could see, I mean, we talk, think about this idea of a, you know, a lifelong tutor. You could almost see how the tutor could, could kind of move with your flow. Like if mm -hmm. you you start to show curiosity about a certain subject and it notices that you're seeing more and more things about that, that it might change the way it's teaching you. And, you know, I, I can see that where it, it just alters the flow of your, of your tutor, you know, like, so yeah. you're kind of guiding your tutor by your interests, right? So attention creates reality, right? Yeah. All through life. So maybe it's the same with your tutor, the things that you pay attention to, and maybe if it's persistently over time, then it starts to go, hmm, okay, let's get into this, you know, and, and takes you on down that pathway. I think uh, what's broken also in colleges, I remember, you know, sitting, going to interview colleges with my kids, you know, and they'll be there soon. <laughs> I, know, I know. I mean, that's why I'm sort of curious around. Yeah. The, the thing that disappointed me. Five years is going to be important. No, it is. And I think your kids are about the right age because it's changing. Yeah, my oldest is starting as a freshman in high school this fall. Okay. So I mean, my kids were before all this, you know, so it's like they're, they're just at college now kind of thing. And so, and it's not, you know, the change is happening now, but it won't happen until after they graduate, really. Yeah, yeah. But I think... Um, but headlong uh, in the workforce as they sort of jump in. Yeah, they, the, the, the pitch they give you when you sit in the room with all the other people that are thinking they're going there is, oh, we teach you how to get a good job so you can make money. Hmm. And we teach you how to get that good job. I'm like, God, that's just so old. That thinking is so old. It's like, no, I want to create an environment where you're free to learn about anything you want. Because, you know, it's not about... Do I need more doctors and lawyers and things like that? We're, we're things are changing so fast that kids are in grade school. Like your your youngest kids, mm -hmm. um, the things that they're learning now will be obsolete by the time they graduate college. Yeah, exactly. Like that cycle is going to happen so fast, and so we need to kind of be better at skating to the puck. Yep. You know, so what is happening in the next four, five, ten years? You know, just in, in, enca encapsulate things like that, and how can we create education around that? Around, you know. Um, more iterative, but faster learning about topics and then teaching kids more importantly, how to learn. So when you leave yes. here, when you leave here, you should continue learning. 
So here's how you do that. Here's how you become a perpetual learner, you know, and uh, it's those skills that are going to be the most valuable thing. It's not going to be the, the knowledge mm. you get in college because that's discovery everywhere. How you learn. Yes. Bringing, we've had, yeah. as Brad referenced a conversation we've had recently with, uh, with Melanie Johnson and her focus on kind of education. And one of the things that she talks about is that connecting, having fun mm -hmm. with learning yeah. so that it sort of becomes a part of your yeah. life. And it is sort of like the metric as you yeah. kind of work towards that. And I guess I'd like, I want to, we've been talking about this topic. I feel like uh, we'd be able to infinitely talk about mm -hmm. what, what AI can and can't do. I, as we're starting to though bring that to like the workplace and creating that mm -hmm. environment, this is a place that you spend a lot of time and effort. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if we can sort of pivot into mm -hmm. kind of your philosophy mm -hmm. on how you bring humans together to yeah. solve problems and kind of the, how, how yeah. that future workplace is, is evolving. Can you share a bit about mm -hmm. sort of your kind of guiding philosophy on that and where that's working? Yeah, I'm a, still broke down? I'm definitely a, uh, I was an anthropology major in college. And mm -hmm. so I think I may mention last time, uh, I, you know, it was, I, it happened because I was, I was dropping in on classes. I was had classes and I was a business major, right? I was really bored. I hated business. I just thought it was boring. And um, so I kept dropping in these different classes and I found this one on uh, corporate culture. Mm. And uh, so I dropped in on it and I liked it so much I went to every class and I was taking the tests and everything. And she finally, the teacher came up to me and said, who are you? <laughs> You're not on my roster. And I was like, oh, I'm not in the class. She goes, well, why are you here? That's interesting. And she and I became really good friends. She became the head of the department. And, and I ended up uh, changing my major to anthropology with a study and with a focus on corporate culture. Mm. And uh, it ended up being something that I've, I've carried through my professional career. Like I'm really fascinated with culture, especially startup culture, like small company culture and how that can be a superpower because culture is the only thing that everybody in the company creates together. Mm. It's the only thing, right? And so when you walk into a startup, especially you feel it and you either feel it or you don't. Yeah. And it's not about what's on the wall. I, I won't say the name of the company, but I went to a guy and it was in one of the Western States. And uh, walked in, they said all this stuff about culture on the walls. It's all the right things, right words and stuff like that. And you walked in and sat in a meeting with a guy and saw him berating his CTO. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's not what I saw on the wall. Right? <laughs> so it's not about what you see in the wall. It's about what you feel when you walk in the room. And so we create these cultures. I like to call them Ubuntu cultures. And so Ubuntu is not just Linux. It's actually a Swahili word that loosely translated means I am who I am because of who we are together. Hmm. And that's what Ubuntu means. And so that's the kind of culture we like to build is that when you come into the company, um, the first thing you do is get to know the team around you and ask yourself, who am I for them? Who am I for you? Who can I be such that you will be great? Hmm. And they're going to ask the same question about you when they come in. Who, who can I be for you? Right. And so if everybody kind of has that hmm. attitude, um, it works. Like it really works. Companies work, you know, and it's, and you have to do less, there's less doing, right and less telling people how to operate and there's more just being, right? So we're all being great together. And then I think you have to um, call them impossible games. You have to, you have to inject things into the culture that kind of invigorate it. And one of the things we do is we call them impossible games where like a, uh, like we deliver the software. Um, that's really amazing. I mean, it's a, it's essentially an AI that um, sits on top of existing IOT networks so cameras yeah. and sensors ingest that. It starts to we build a live 4D model of an environment. So whatever happens in the environment happens in our 4D model in real time. And the reason we do that is so you can measure, you can measure things and then use those measurements to cause 
alerts and actions in the real world. Hmm. So like if I see a process about to break down like in the real world, I can send an alarm and say, hey, stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, we call it the industrial metaverse, right? But um, but solving that problem is is pretty cool. Uh, but the 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 uh, the impossible game we created was how can we set up an environment? It was taking a couple months to set up an environment, and that was pretty natural for the industry. So I went got with my partner. I said, "Hey, what do you think about creating an impossible game around this?" He said, "What?" I said, seven days. We have to set up an environment in seven days or less." Hmm. Everyone's like. You know the impossible game's right when people look at you like you're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got the right response for that. And it was yeah. like, yeah, whatever. But we ended up doing it. And now every client, we set them up in seven days. Wow. So, and um, so, because impossible games, it's one of these things you inject inside of a culture that pulls people together with intention. Yeah. Right. Sort so, of breaks down sort of the scar tissue from other experiences yeah. and allows you to sort of blink sheet of paper. Yes. How do you bring it all in? You're in an environment where failure is impossible. We don't even focus on failure. Hmm. We recast failure as iteration. Yeah. So um, you just iterate, iterate, iterate until you reach awesome. That's what, that's how we recast failure. Hmm. Uh, you won't even hear the word failure in our culture. It's just funny. We laugh at it because if we celebrated failure, which most companies do, like oh, I was a, see what happened to that guy. You know, if we did that, we would die because most of what we're building hasn't been built before. Yeah. yeah. So we fail. How all can the you time. define what good looks like? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, anyway, so I. I think that's a, you say you inject it with things like that. So like embracing ridiculous and, and, uh, um, and then no fear of failure and placing failure with iteration. And you just create this environment where, um, people are free to, to be their absolute best self. Like there's nothing the organization's doing to hold them back from trying. Uh, I got a, when I left, when we sold the last company and, uh, I got a ping from one of my developers and, he uh he just said hey Dave, i just wanted to say thanks for being batshit crazy <laughs> and i took that as the ultimate compliment like he said i i did things there where i, I wouldn't have done in any other company because you're freaking crazy mm. and uh and you love that right because that's just a i don't think people greatness doesn't surface in people you have to summon it mm. I, I think yeah very few people can summon their own greatness like some can. You have to rise to a challenge. But, yeah, it yeah. takes you kind of kind summoning of that. Like, you know, so we have this concept we call co-elevation where um, if you're doing something, don't do it by yourself. It's something hard and good. Take somebody with you mm. and, and do it together, you know, and it's this idea of co-elevation. Um, but um, so I think, you know, it's a, we, we try to create an environment. I think the ultimate test is at the end, I mean, you've sold a company, you start a new one, everybody wants to join. And that's why. It's not because it's a great paycheck or things like that. It's because they know we're going to do something really cool together. Mm. And there's not going to be any limitations put on by the company. Yeah. So culture is sort of fought on the front lines and day to day and yeah. sort of reinforced or falls mm -hmm. apart. And oh, you sort right. of start with intentionality. But like you're saying, you'd be in a meeting and yeah. sort of slip off kind of the rails, I guess, sort of in your experience. Yeah. Like, what are the kind of handful of things that you look to as like the the early indicators that sort of yeah. something slipping. Um, it's a really interesting point you made because culture is delicate, right? And so we don't have a manual. We don't give people things and here's our culture, learn this and come back yeah. later, you know, be and spend later. a half day and you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. We're about to have our first, um, all company, all hands meeting in six months. We haven't had one six months and we, we fly in from everywhere they are, wherever, wherever they are in the world. And it's going to be an interesting one because, um, 
we haven't had this group to, we've grown a lot sure. in this time. Yeah, yeah. And so we haven't had a meeting on culture. So it's going to be kind of a test. Like, are these people who haven't heard me talk about the stuff I'm telling you right now, um, did you experience it? Hmm. Like, it's going to be interesting. Like, yeah. it's kind of a test. Like, are we, are we being that? And there are times. the show before they get here. They can listen to it on the plane. <laughs> yeah. <light. laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, it is interesting because it's like a, uh, it is the one thing I think that gives startup superpowers over large companies. Like if you have a, a group of people that are, they're absolutely unstoppable, yeah. you know, um, and that's another thing in our culture is just being unstoppable. What does that mean? Well, people don't fail. Machines fail. Machines can break and fail. We don't fail. We choose to stop. Mm. Right. So really for people, it's about how can I be unstoppable? Right. And so who can I be such that we will continue doing something until something happens? Right. Yeah. And, um, and that's what we do. I think my last company is funny. Um, we had two products, you know, and I was in love with this one. It was kind of a social AI thing. Mm. And the other one was an analytics product. And I really thought this was going to be the company and the market had a different idea. <laughs> it was this. So we ended up killing this product mm. and, um, and we didn't fire everybody. We actually just put all those people on the product that was really working. And uh, we actually had a thing where we marched to the office and gave a funeral to the product. And uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, um, but it was, it turned out to be a really good thing. Like it wasn't in most companies it would have been, oh, it failed product no, no, failed. The people. company's gone and yeah, we missed this market opportunity. Yeah. We turned it into the UX UI on this product's freaking incredible. And now it's all going to come to this product. And you know what happened? We put those people over there on this product and it just went, you know, and we were sold three years later. Wow. They just took off, you know, but part of it is just like, like you want to lead with possibility. Like as a leader in your company, you want to lead with possibility, like what's possible for us, you know, and what's possible for you. You know, sometimes I take people out to lunch and I'll just have that conversation with them, you know, um, who can I be for you? You know, and, uh, um, anyway, it's been tougher with COVID. I think if I'm honest about it. Sure. Because we're definitely a remote company, remote first. Yeah. And so we've got to do a better job, I think, of, and we've talked about this a lot, just of having more all-company events and having teams come in the office. And we need to do better than that mm -hmm. on that, those things. We, we will. It seems like sort of establishing a culture is one thing, but sort of the continuation of it, particularly mm -hmm. in a growing organization, because yeah. you bring in so many new and different ingredients and yeah. you get these pockets of dilution mm -hmm. and, and other things. Are you seeing, I guess... <laughs> Clearly, sort of the work from home conversation is yeah. like this big challenge that this pendulum is swinging back and forth. And I think in part because there's this it's almost there, like a rope swing, it is <laughs> <laughs> like just, right over a lake or something, you know, it's just going back. It and just forth. keeps like, uh, but the, nobody's diving in, yeah. <laughs> just holding on to that rope for dear life. There's clearly not like, hey, is it three days or four days or no mm. days in the office or whatever it yeah. is? And I think some of it's dependent on what the company is trying to execute yeah. and deliver on where they fit, what sort of yeah. like what good looks like from interactions. But I guess just sort of curious in your view for as it relates to culture. Yeah. Cause one of the conversations that we've had on this topic and things is, you know, you onboard people, they're net new, they're mm -hmm. in their own home environment. Mm -hmm. They only plug in through this zoom window. And yeah. like, so like from a, what are some of the things that, I'm always interested in just the action ability. So like, what are like yeah. the, the, some of the tactics that you're using to sort of reinforce and build mm -hmm. culture? You're saying kind of all hands, get everybody together yeah. to sort of hear sort of that message. But are yeah. there, are there ways to 
reinforce, incorporate, facilitate yeah. in sort of that that growth that, that growth trajectory yeah. that you go. If I'm honest with you, we you know, it's definitely been challenging because yeah. I before culture, everyone's together and it just kind of worked and you know the, the, all the stuff we do works. Yeah, those micro kind of course corrections throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, uh, we are a remote first company, so if you want to work from home, we'll buy you a stand up desk, electric stand up desk, and we'll give you a 36 inch monitor and you can work from home. Mm. So uh, there are a group of people that all come in the office. It's funny because it's, you could probably guess, but it's the, the developers like caves. They want to work from home. Yeah. Salespeople, marketing people, ops want to come in the office. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah so, the social exactly. people. Exactly. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens. So now what we're doing, you know, and I, this is, again, if I'm just honest about it, we've got to be better at it, is doing more and more specific events of things. Like we have this thing we call Fat Tuesday where mm. we used to do it every third Tuesday of the month. You know, we, we, it fell off, so we're getting back into it. But Fat Tuesday was we take everybody out to a really place that's bad for you, like for lunch, and we all get <laughs> together, like snuffers, cheese fries. and Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like, what's funny is Fat Tuesday had the best response of anything we did, like, Everybody wants to eat bad, I think. <laughs> but things like that. So you've got to you create those events. Um, these all-hands events we, we create. Uh, everyone's coming over to my house for a pool party uh, in two weeks. So we're yep. doing that. You know, we have that what happen. Time? We'll see you there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> time and place. I really love that. <laughs> but, we, but it's fun because we, we have our all-hands every Friday on Zoom. And uh, I wasn't on the last one. I was on vacation. But uh, I heard that uh, they talked about the pool party. And it was already like the devs against the sales guys going, you guys cheated last year. Right? <laughs> Volleyball. In the <laughs> we got you. <laughs> so but, but we do stuff like that. I think you got to create events where people can have the casual bump ins. Mm -hmm. Right. And then also encouraging the, the managers, like bring your AI team in for two days. And, and then encouraging events to happen more. That's something that we're going to put a lot more emphasis on. If I'm honest, I don't think we've done as good a job as we have in the past. And what so is it about sort of just like mm -hmm. being – with another three dimensional human, like it, it, there's, there's, we talked about trust and there's sort of yeah. this component to it. And I want to try and draw a thread. I don't know if it's there cause we're talking about AI. Yeah, it, no, it's there. You can't drag AI into a room. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, there's, but there is something about not, yet. not, yeah. not yet. The, yeah. you know, the holographic manifestation of Rosalind, I'm sure will be created so that you can have that interface. Um, oh. <laughs> like on Star Wars, you know. Or you 100%. Not going to fall in love. I'm already deeply it's in love with my wife. Yeah. Um, Sky gets that part of my heart, but Rosalind will get plenty of other parts of my... Can I do the voiceover for Rosalind? Oh, I, that's the only way it's happening. I mean, Rosalind isn't going to be if you don't do the voiceover. Yeah. but I, just, I guess that's where I'm sort yeah. of like, the, there's... I don't know if there is an answer or it's just sort of human nature or kind yeah. of what it is, but it, it feels like the answer is to get together. Yeah. And, but like in your experience, like yeah. what is it that's happening? Cause there's get togethers yeah. that work and reinforce culture. Yeah. There's get togethers that, yeah, because people have lost kind of the muscles around it. It's not as effective, but just sort of like, I'm just curious if there's no, like, I think there's an absolute correlation. Um, people, uh, what's funny. The one thing we have, well, we have lots of things, but one of the big things we have that AI doesn't have today is a lifetime of experience. Mm. And so um, everything that you do, every decision you make today goes through the filter of your lifetime of experiences. Yeah. And AI doesn't have that. And so when you're with other people, because I also think diverse, this kind of gets to diversity too, like diversity is experienced. Yeah. You know, and so when, I'm when I talk about diversity, it's a very positive thing. I think teams that are that all look the same, sound the same, believe the same, and they make shitty teams. You want people that from different cultures, different sexes. You want you want to create diversity inside of teams, and that. But I think when you're together, 
that diversity is amplified, mm. then it isn't not on a Zoom call, right? Yeah. Like there's there's greatness in that diversity. And um, so I think that's something that uh, like trust with people um, is built on relationships. Trust with AI is built on um, uh, is built on uh, uh, consistency. Hmm. Like think about uh, when you use AI every day, sure. Siri or Alexa or Maps or things like that. Yeah. You trust it when it works all the time. Yeah, that's not trust. Like me trusting you yeah that's different yeah. so trust with ai is different from trust with people and i think that that's those intangibles are those things that we are the i think are the the magic right um i'm not sure that we know what it is yeah yeah but it's there there's something special about yeah that there's something very special about human yeah. connection bringing yeah. sort of the collective mind mm -hmm. together on mm -hmm. a challenge that everybody's bought yeah. into and how that the cultural norms of how that yeah. goes and gets done there's yeah to be, it feels like that's something to be protected yeah. and and managed as a like a critical human resource that's as right. we move into this world of AI. That's right. That there are sort of this like core essence of mm -hmm. like bringing humans together. And even though the collective knowledge of humanity is sort of found in mm -hmm. you know the, the 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 compute and databases, but mm -hmm. that there's still this like lived experience. That, that's right. That drives and that drives culture too. I'm not sure you can have culture in a company that's completely remote. Yeah. I don't think culture exists in a completely remote company. So, mm. so that's a challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got to, um, you've got to have, uh, people meeting people and talking to people to create culture. Um, you know, I almost wonder if it's like, we have a soul, mm -hmm. we have a body, we have a mind. Like, is that this thing that we can't understand? We don't see it visually. Mm -hmm. We experience we experience love. Yep. We experience fear. We experience hate. Mm -hmm. We experience kindness. We experience these things in our lives. AI won't experience these things. Right. And it'll maybe at that. some point it'll be, you know, we'll be able to create a level of synthetic biology that an AI can, mm -hmm. you know, copy it. Mimic. Mimic. Yes. But even mim but mimicry it. is not the same as feeling. That's right. And emotion because I, and I'm so fascinated by this topic because with everything in my core, you know, my futurist hat just is constantly reverberating through my humanity. And I'm always thinking about not even a linear reality, but dimensionality that almost mm -hmm. is beyond my own comprehension. And in that mind space, I'm constantly thinking about a virtual work setting. Mm. And yesterday I mentioned I gave a talk and I was in a studio that I was very fortunate to, you know, have a really like emotional connection to. And I left yesterday evening and I called Sky on the way home. And I was like, hey, I can't explain it. All I know is the experience that I had being in this space yeah. with humans, having this shared experience was so beautiful and mm -hmm. enriching if i'm being honest a bit tiring mm -hmm. because i don't have the same social interactions on a daily basis that i have that i had before the pandemic yeah and i'm not as conditioned for them as i once was in larger settings yeah but y'all i just felt so alive and it was like such a beautiful mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. that's not something you replicate 
with technology or virtual reality. Yeah, that's right. And I don't mean like VR headsets. I mean like a virtual, an in virtual reality over an in real life reality. It's funny. We have this saying that you're always winning the game you're playing. And I don't know I've thought about it this way until you just said that, but the, the statement comes from this idea that you create the life that you have, that you're in, it's an, it's an ultimate statement of responsibility. Like I'm, I own that I have a good life and you can take it even a step further by saying that I'm responsible for everyone around. This is where it gets a little unre- unrealistic, right? Cause I don't cause people's lives around me, but, but, uh, I've had an incident in previous company where there was, uh, one of my team members was having, she was having a really bad day and it's obvious, you know, and I asked myself, who am I being such a, she's having that problem. Hmm. Crazy uh-huh. thing that sakes. It's not me, right? Or at least I don't think it is. <laughs> and so I went up to her just, hey, you know, anything I do to help, you know? And, and, uh, and we ended up talking and we went across the street and had a, you know, uh, said had a cook together and, and um, ended up being something I'd help with. But it was just the, the thought that I asked myself that, ir- that irrational question of who am I being such a, she's having a problem caused the interaction and ended up being able to help her. And so we... The, the thing we talk about with teams is like, you know, uh, you're always winning the game you're playing. So if things aren't happening or things aren't working with your team or you and your life, ask yourself, what game am I playing such that it's, this result is occurring, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I actually think you're right, though. I think we have more control over our lived experiences and those that we interact with than we give ourselves credit yeah. for. No, it's there. It's there, you know. Um, I think that you're talking about people and interaction, right? Like that can't happen. That statement I just made, like you're always winning the game you're playing as a person or as a team can't happen if we're all remote. It also I, I can't see happen that. if we're all thinking about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We right. have to be to your point. Right. And then there's action and inaction. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking about as you were sharing this. Mm-hmm. There's the thought that forms. Clearly I can observe this person's having a rough day what in my reality may have impacted mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But then does that cause action or inaction? Because I think fight or flight also kicks in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it could just be pure apathy, but I believe mm-hmm. and that rebellious optimist showing, I believe that more humans are good. Yes. And awesome and more than awesome more often than they're less than awesome. I do too. But taking action to mm-hmm. say, let's go grab a Coke and sit down. Yeah. Like, that's the next step that needs right. to happen. Otherwise, having the the thought mm-hmm. needs to then form into action. That's right. Over inaction. And yeah. that's super and that doesn't happen on Zoom. Viable. It doesn't happen yeah. on Zoom. And <laughs> yeah. you know, and it could, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I've had moments during the pandemic, especially, yeah. until someone sure. wasn't being their normal self and afterwards yeah. you give them a call. Yeah. And you and yes, you have that shared experience, but yeah. man, sitting down with that Coke. Or yeah. a cup of coffee or that glass of whiskey or Tempo mm-hmm. Chico or whatever it is, sharing that experience, that is so special. And That's right. Yeah, and it can't be replicated, I don't think. Uh, and it, you hit on something, too. I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, we're not who we think we are, right? Like, a, like, a, um, like who, who am I for other people? Mm-hmm. That's the real question. It's not like, who am I? People mm-hmm. always ask that. We got taught because there was – libraries with self-help and self-improvement which is just a stupid concept yeah right because all that's about all that's about is who are you for other people yeah right it's not about 
you helping yourself. It's about who are you being for other people such that they can have a great life? Like, I think that's a, that's the thing for a leader today. It's like, who am I being such that this is a place where people can be the best they can possibly be, you know? And, um, and then it, the answers just show up. <laughs> There's not a formula for how to be great. <laughs> things like, I always love to see those articles, like three things to do, become a great leader. You're like, Oh, there's only three. Yes. That's, that's all you need. You just need <laughs> those right. three. Someone unlocked the magic. Yeah. There's a uh, Jay-Z line in, I believe it's the 444 album. And he says, you're not rich unless everyone around you is rich. And what yeah. he's really speaking to is yeah. community and that's elevating. Right. As the tide rises, we all rise. That's right. And you have to rally community together in order to create Mm -hmm. The reality that you want to see build the life that you love doesn't just mean about yourself. It's yeah. about being attuned to those are in your universe and in your ethos and understanding what their needs are and their priorities and then finding ways to intentionally work together to create and build that's that reality key. into existence. That's the key. Yeah. Speak it into existence, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I think I told this story last time, but you keep reminding me of stuff like this. Like, um, it was in my last business and I was standing in the kitchen and I think we were having a lot of trouble with our funding or something and it wasn't going well. And I was kind of, I didn't say a word. I was just making coffee And this, one of the guys that was, uh, in the coffee room with me, Hey, what's wrong? Hmm. Like I hadn't said a word, <laughs> what's wrong, you know? And, um, so I do think there's an energy, right? Uh, even, done, sure. even done studies where they look at your heart and those, there's patterns between the two blips, you know, mm -hmm. there's patterns that occur that when you're angry or when you're happy, they're different patterns, Whoa. but they see it. So like there's this, there's an energy, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's real. And, uh, so almost as a leader, you almost got to re be responsible for that, <laughs> which is wow. kind of weird. Like it's not just about the words Ooh. you say. Sometimes it's about who you're being. It's your aura, it's your energy. Yeah, I, before you say a single word, yeah. you know, like I, I think about my interactions with sky and like i i just think marriage is such a beautiful expression of like a, two molecular structures just converging in the universe right like yeah it, i i can't explain it but all i know is it's something very rare and very special yeah and she can literally look at me and know something is off and out of nowhere and i could be <laughs> seemingly fine yeah and she will nail it and there's oh, many right. times where i'm like i'm fine i'm great what are you talking about? everything's good but because yeah. i don't want to yeah. you know bother her but i'm like in my head, I'm like, how the hell did she know that I'm off? Like, I think I'd be totally cool and yeah. chill. She's like, no, like, you're so, your aura is so off right now. Yeah. Like, it's so off. I've gotten better over the years. We've been married almost 12 years. So now I'm finally, <laughs> it's taken me about 12 years, but I'm finally getting there to where I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, this is affecting me, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's because I just want to be like, yeah. you know, a caretaker in my nature, but whatever yeah. it is, it is just instantaneous. And I'm like, damn, you're good. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing though, right? You create something together. It's a yeah. thing. It's a real thing. I don't, know, I don't know what that is, but it's special. It's, yeah. You cannot explain it. Yeah. It is real though. Yeah. It's very real. There's a whole Jay-Z narrative on that too, with, but, I, I, but, I'll, <laughs> but I'll save that for another time. <laughs> Life lessons from Jay-Z. Y'all, hip-hop philosophy is real. I'm telling you, there is so much. One of my other favorite ones, which is very relevant to where we're headed, uh, Drake says there's 10 of us, but we're moving as one. Nice. So when we think about yeah. Ubuntu and did yeah. I say it correctly? Yep. Ubuntu, yeah. And team philosophy. Yeah. It's how do we have that shared experience in such yeah. a way that we really see ourselves mm -hmm. 
you know, as, as individuals, but also as one unit yeah. working towards something that we all believe in. It's so true. Uh, my, my partner, Chris and I, we, we, one of the things we do to kind of permeate that through the culture is through storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like there's all, and we have these funny stories, you know, where, you know, crazy impossible things happen and we make sure we tell the stories, you know, because it, I think you share culture through storytelling mm-hmm. uh, and that goes back to ancient cultures. Like when they, yeah. when they sit around fires and teach their yeah. kids things, they learn about culture through stories. And, uh, yeah. I think it's big in startups for sure. Like you have your stories. We have this one we'd love to tell people and it's cause we know we're going to hit a lot of places where shit's not working or something like that, you know? And uh, we had this situation where we were, we had one of the largest publishers in the world is using our software. And, um, I had this habit of kind of, saying things when i shouldn't not a bad way but like uh my partner's all kicking me under the table and i'm doing like we were sitting at this 10 top of a table with the head guy the head of the whole thing and there's 150 tables 10 tops and we're at his table the head guy and uh i, I said hey uh Pete, does it make you nervous that our company can't fill one of these tables and chris is kicking me under the table <laughs> you know, like, but it's uh the, the big thing was we we're doing a demo the next morning mm. and the software the night before did not work like Whoa. did not work. We couldn't get one. It was a semantic search engine. And we couldn't get one query to work. Not one. Somewhere around three, four in the morning, we got one query to work. So we're in there uh, and we um, we uh, did the query and went as a demo. And yeah, okay, we'll go. And Pete stops and goes, hey, guys, let's take one from the audience. I was like, <laughs> you know, crap, you know. <laughs> and so someone throws up this query. It's like patent. We built a brain on patents. And there's something about a swing trainer. It's a crazy thing that even a you reading it couldn't tell what it's about mm-hmm. my partner chris is putting in every word possible to just give it the best chance of getting something and it freaking nailed it you know and then we got off the stage but you know sometimes there's just things are going to work because they're going to work mm-hmm. and that's the story on that one was just keep going and keep trying because sometimes life will show up in ways you don't think it will just even if it seems impossible right so different stories, you know, and so we, we have stories for all sorts of stuff, you know, but they're real. They were things that happened, you know. Do you tend to feel that almost like before it happens, like there could be <laughs> like, like a moment where you're like, something's happening. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't think I did then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I was just worried. <laughs> Laser focused on. Yeah. The like what am I going to say? This thing doesn't well, and maybe you were more focused on that. So you weren't as attuned to like. Yeah that rhythm of yeah. you know, God or the universe and just kind of well, like how everything's interwoven. So I, I do have a cockiness and not bad cocky, like good mm-hmm. cocky. Like, like I'm uh, another one of those moments. Are you good cocky or bad cocky? Yeah. Well, cause I mean like <laughs> there's no question in my mind that our company's going to be successful. There's no question. Like I'm just, I just know it will. Like I'm not even, it's not even a question. And, um, we had another one of those kick the table, kick me on the table moments when we were with our lead investor raising our first 10 million bucks and we're sitting with the lead investor and, uh, my partner, Chris, his, his, one of his golden rules is when you get the deal, stop talking and leave. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's great sales tactic. <laughs> That's a good advice, right? Yeah. Well, so sure enough, we got the deal and I said, you know, to our lead investor, Lisa, I said, Hey Lisa, I'm gonna make you two promises. And Chris is kicking me on our table. It's time to leave, time to leave. Like, uh, first promise is this company will be successful. I promise you that. Not, no question. Second thing is what we just described to you that we're going to be doing will probably not be what we end up doing. <laughs> what you just invested in, yeah. isn't it? Because we're going to learn a lot and it's going to be different, you know. And, uh, what was their response? Oh, she laughed. 
she's awesome. I mean, she's cool. yeah, crazy. We we have great investors. Uh, oh. We have Manetta Ventures guys just came on board too, and they're oh. just incredible. The fit's just perfect. You know, oh. they went they're they they just want this thing to be great. Yeah, I'm big on that. Like not taking money for money's sake. Uh, I uh, hear the terms. I don't know VC very well, but I hear the terms <laughs> dumb money versus smart money. Yeah, is that kind of. It's even more than that. It's like cultural. Yeah. Like, um, lovable even. Well, I won't take money from someone that's all they're bringing is money. Yeah. Like that's not. We want someone that that believes in us and our mission and what we're doing, Mm -hmm. and they want to believe. They want to be part of it. Belief money. Yeah. Partner, not a. Or you could even say belief fuel. No, exactly. Exactly. It is fuel. (laughs) Yeah. It's fuel for advancing purpose. That's that's right. I, I have a lot. I have a very strong passion around. We need to redefine our relationship with capitalism and with money to see it not mm-hmm. as a glass ceiling because we will not ever break through that, but rather as fuel for advancing purpose mm-hmm. and belief. And in doing so, we will just break through in, in the most beautiful senses everything our minds have ever imagined. Yeah, And we will get to what's on the edge of the universe that we don't yet see and don't yet know. But until yeah. we can reshape our mindset around our relationship with money and the economy and wall street and you name it it has to be fuel it's not yeah. goal but in today's society it's goal yeah in, in so many organizations and in so many spaces and places and i'm not talking about basic needs being met that's an obvious mm-hmm. i'm talking about once the basic needs are met and you've moved past higher needs into that next echelon of what is unknown gosh we could truly reshape humanity in the most beautiful ways and give everybody access to fuel. I think that's a, well, that's a great thing to, because that's possible now. I think one of the cool things about what's happening with AI is that um, uh, open source is becoming the way it's coming to the world. Mm -hmm. So it's not Google delivering it or Facebook or it's not, it's actually happening as open source, you know? And so there is a democratization happening with AI I hope continues. I really hope it continues um, that AI becomes this um, a global OS that we build for the world. We all build it together. We build it together, and then because you know AI has been very Westernized, you know, uh, so you sure. take our AIs and bring it to other countries, mm-hmm. it's like because oh, it doesn't really fit. Mm-hmm. But having a, mm-hmm. a global OS like of, a, of an AI that everyone can build on top of, build your culture on top of it, you know, uh, I think that would be a wonderful thing. But it's it's kind of happening right now. Um, AI at the edge. I hope that's the future. I really do. You said something earlier about summoning greatness in others. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of this ancient verse about the purposes of a human's heart are plenty, but insight is what draws them out. Mm -hmm. And I'd be really curious about how do you and your team summon greatness in each Mm -hmm. other? It's usually by... Um, and sometimes it happens as teams and sometimes it's an individual. Um, we've had instances where we bring a person in and say, Hey, we got a crazy idea and you're the perfect person for it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, we actually have a crazy idea right now, uh, that I can't talk specifically about, specifically about but, uh, I'll tell you that it's taken three of our, just three of our people and putting them on a special project. And it's like, this is going to be awesome if it works, mm. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And, uh, uh, I think part of it is, is, is the challenges, right? You like people are, are 
way more capable than they think they are. Like everybody is, all of us are. We're mm. way more capable than we think we are. We, what's happened, I think, what doesn't happen enough is you're not paired with people who are, who are willing to, to ask you to challenge that on a regular basis. Like we need more of that, mm. you know, like so take on some, and if you can remove failure from the environment, so it's truly just an effort to try complete possibility, then that's what, that's the, that's the unlock. That's the unleash, right? Was when you can take all those limitations away. Like I think part of building a company today, and you touched on it a second ago, it's changing, right? Capitalism used to be this, uh, here's the 10 competitors and here's the future benefits and here's how we all compete. And like, we don't play that. We, we play to build a market of one. Like we want to build a technology that's so unique that nobody else has anything like it. And we, it's a blue ocean. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't fear partners. I want to go partner with anybody that wants to partner with me. I don't care who they are. It's yeah, that abundant mindset yeah. that there's just sort of this versus Ooh. a competitive of like, hey, that's there's right. a fixed pot. We need to go get our big, biggest mm. slice that yeah, we, we can. get 3%, no, let's go for all of it. Yeah, and then mm. let's partner with anybody that wants to partner with us. And I'm, so I, I laugh at so I had a guy that he, uh, he wanted me to buy his company. But before that happened, he, he said, hey, well, um, he was talking about, let's, I said, let's get to go have lunch and talk about what we do. And he's like, oh, no, because he viewed me as like this, Mm. tangentially competitive guy and i was like i'll tell you everything we do i don't care let's go because <laughs> uh, it you know i don't ever leak secret sauce we just talk about what we do and i think it's a blue ocean man there's so much possibility out there it's really a matter of who can you partner with to get these things done faster i think that um there's a book what technology wants kevin kelly a long time ago mm. he had this he wrote about it where he said that at any one he time he also wrote the inevitable yes same guy Freaking phenomenal author. Well, he had this human. statement that at any one time in the world, there's people working on the same idea. Oh, yeah. And they all evolve very slowly. Mm-hmm. When the evolution quickens is when they meet each other. Mm, whoa. And, and then the it just starts to accelerate the evolution of the idea. So I think the same things in a company, right? That's why mm-hmm. we talk about co-elevation. It's like, mm-hmm. don't send one person to do something. Have two or three people come together and, and accelerate the idea. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. That's mm. been my experience multiple times, especially in the formative years of developing my life's work. There were so many moments when, you know, we had an idea or we had an experience. And then before you know it, like, you know, you're getting a call from someone else who sees something that you did or an article you were featured in or you vice versa see them. And you're right, you connect. And all of a sudden, like, it just accelerates it so much faster. Mm hmm. My, my silliest example is high school doing the knuckle touch. I swear we invented the knuckle touch. <laughs> like, and yet I go to other places and other people are doing the knuckle touch. And now it's super common. This is yeah. you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And we would do the like blow it up as well. It, we, we were very proud of that. We called it the knuckle touch over the fist bump because it was less angry and mean. Um, I, have to, I have to give my, my cousin Elizabeth a shout out on that one. She's the one that would call it the knuckle touch. It was so great. And I like the the other one was this like ridiculous handshake that this buddy and I had. Yeah. It was like very involved with all these like <laughs> movements. And I swear to you, there was another time in my life when I met someone and they had the same freaking handshake. And I was like, <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> like, how did you have the same? It's the same thing. It blew my mind. I either dreamed that or it happened, but I'm pretty sure it happened. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> I will never know. That's okay. Um, but you're right. Like there are there is this universal reality of humans around the globe having same ideas that mm-hmm. have never interacted. 
That has always been fascinating to me. And now we have better tools than ever to help those people find each other. Mm. Wow. So it's going to be fascinating. There was one other thing that you touched on that I really want to dive a little deeper into. You're always winning the game you're playing. Yeah. And there's a story within that of a human who's been very influential in your life. Hmm. And oh, I would yeah. Really I like, we talked about that, didn't we? I would really love to share more about that. I have told that story yeah. to so many people since you first shared it. Uh, and I just think it'd be cool for the audience to, to hear about that inspiring journey. Yeah. So I met this guy. So I, I was um, about the same time I was kind of graduated college. And as you can kind of tell, I'm kind of like the... I get bored with stuff, you know, and so um, uh, I was uh, my now wife. We were um, we were just uh, I think she's my fiance back then. I was I kind of came to her one day and I said, uh, "I need to go on a journey." She said, "What do you mean?" I said, "I just think I'm going to work, coming home, we're eating, we go to sleep, we had breakfast, I go to work, come home." And I said, "There's this pattern." This, I'm not getting anything. I said, so I, so I left for three weeks and I just went on this journey and I started, I heard people would tell me about, Oh, you got to meet this guy. Cause he's, you know, it's almost like my <laughs> sage journey. Right. And I met this guy. Um, his name is Ron Zeller. And, um, he, uh, he just ended up being someone that was very formative in my life. Uh, Ron was at the time I met him, he was probably 60. I think uh, he died a few years ago when he was 82 because he was adopted and he um, didn't know he had cancer all over his body all the time. And he didn't know why, cause he was adopted, you know, but, um, but Ron was one of these guys that um, he just thought about life differently. Like life, it is, life is about possibility. It's all about possibility, nothing else, you know? And, um, and so I, after I took these courses with him, but then I ended up just I gave him stock in my last two companies. I said, hey, just stay with me. And we just, and I, didn't, I wouldn't have had to do that. I just did it because I wanted him to, you know, he's helping me and I wanted to help him. And um, and so things happened. Like Ron, one of the things I think I, remember, I told you before was he um, he called me and uh, he'd been given a diagnosis of uh, stomach cancer. And he's supposed to die in six weeks. And anyone else would call you and it's like a, you know, commiserate moment right and that's not the way ron was he goes i thought i'd tell you i went to the doctor and he says i got six months to live i've got stomach cancer and because it was ron and instead of saying oh i'm sorry to hear that i said what are you gonna do with that ron <laughs> and he said well i decided i'm gonna run the wasatch 100 it's the 100 mile race to the mountains of utah because my mind knows i'm not gonna die but my body doesn't know that and he was 72 i think at the time he said i'll be the oldest person to run the wasatch 100 he did it he ran the Wasatch 100, and the funny story was he's a mile from quitting. His body gave out. He fell down and just collapsed, right? And his wife put him in a chair, and she's a, she was a fifth-degree black belt, 75 years old, fifth-degree black belt. And she finally kicked him, literally kicked him in the ass and said, you said you are going to finish this race. <laughs> 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 he finished. But two more times after that, he then he got uh, lung cancer, and he had his voice was real high. So I'll talk like this, you know? And I said, what are you going to do with that, Ron? He said, I'm going to go to Costa Rica, and I'm going to come back with the best voice I've ever had, you know? And, and he was just that kind of a guy. And the third time it happened, he said, I'm going to run the, the, uh, uh, the Death Valley 130. He was 80 years old, and he ran the Death Valley 130. And he had lung t tumors on his lungs, and they all fell off. They just fell off his body. And he eventually died from cancer. But just this mind over matter, you know, he was that guy in my life. And um, uh, he's the one that kind of told me that you're always winning the game you're playing. And it took me a long time to get it, like what that really means. You know, and uh, 
but uh, you finally get it. And it's this ultimate responsibility that you are the creator of your life. And uh, what happens is, is you own it completely. So if things are showing up in your life, whether it's people or things or circumstances. Um, if you don't like them, ask yourself, what game am I playing such that these things are happening or these people are attracted to me, you know, and change the game, literally change the game, change, change the game and then go forward. Right. So mm -hmm. if you don't, if, if you're not winning, the, you're always winning the game you're playing. So whatever's happening in your life is because of the game you're playing. So just own that. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to get it, but I was just, uh, so it's something that we, we've kind of expanded to teams. You know, it's like this idea that you're always winning the game you're playing. If it's not working, what are we doing that's causing that? You know, or, um, so, uh, but yeah, he was just, uh, that was, Ron was just an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. And, um, to the day he died, you know, we just, we were the best of friends and, um, uh, outside of my dad, he's just the most influential person I ever met. You know, yeah. In one of his classes, it was funny because he, he said, um, he was talking about how people bring, it's like you, you, you bring yesterday into today all the time. We all do that, right? His way of talking about it was, he said, well, there's this, think of yourself in an aquarium, you know, so someone says, yeah, you suck. So poop, you poop. He says, and if this happens, poop, your mom doesn't love you, poop. And he says, we, pretty soon you're in your life and you're swimming in poop. <laughs> he says, part of cleaning up your life is taking those things and getting it out of there. Mm -hmm. So like he, he had this big thing about completion. Like if there's someone in your life that's like, that caused something with you. Like I had a girl in one of the classes or her dad, I think abused her or something. And, and from that class, she called him, you know, and hadn't talked to him in 20 years. And the guy started crying and said, anyway, they became friends after that. And, you know, and, uh, reestablished a relationship. And it's this idea of completion, like find the things that aren't working and complete that. What do I need to do? Can you forgive someone for something? Even if it's terrible, forgive them for it. Don't let that, don't carry that into your life past, present, future, right? Don't take the past and put it in your present because it screws up your future. Leave the past in the past. Take the good stuff, put it, <laughs> put it, but it's, it's uh, but we don't, we're not very good at that. We, we, what we do as humans, is we take those things from the past and we put them in our present and it screws up our future. So we do. And sometimes people just live their whole present in their past. And he was really big on me kind of like teaching me how to separate those things. Like take the good stuff and learn from it, but all the bad things you've got to put it in the past. And uh, my wife was laughing at me one time because I was walking around. I had a towel on, I think, with a phone clip to my side. And, and I was walking around. And I said, I can't talk to you right now about that because I just I, I got, got to focus on other things. And she looked at me and I didn't have a phone in my ear. And she goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, oh, sorry, I'm just talking to myself. Because <laughs> that's what Ron, he's kind of coaching to me. was like, just talk to yourself like it's a thing, you know. And I would, if I, my brain was telling me I'm not good enough or something like that, I'd say, thanks for sharing. But. I can't listen to that right now because I'm trying to create things. You know, like, and, and over time you, get, you don't need to do that. But uh, I would submit that almost everybody needs to do it now. Like that voice in your head is always telling you something. It's your amygdala or whatever it is. It's just always, it's, 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 built, for, um, it's built for survival. Hmm. That's why we were built as humans. And so your body is always questioning things. You know? And a lot of that's questioning yourself. Am I good enough? You know? And so part of it is just understanding who that is. And that's not you. Right. You create you, not that voice. You know? and so anyway, he was just uh, he was that guy that just uh, that uh, really just changed the way I think and uh, try to create a filter for life, you know. And I think, you know, can't say it all works. It's not a strategy like that, but I don't do it because of that. I do it because I just uh, I want to have a great life and I want people around me to have a great life. And and uh, 
it tends to work when you lead with possibility. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's something we should close on. <laughs> it's pretty perfect. So what is our question for the audience? Hmm. I always forget about it, Brad. There's always a question here at the end that we don't answer that we just put out. I have one. Uh, Good. Perfect. Go. Who are you for other people? Boom. Boom. <laughs> Can you give us a boom? Bam. 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 We say bam. That's my part. Bam. Okay. Thank you for listening. Join Brad and Scott next time on the Curiosity Podcast. Curiosity Podcast.